traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller coming to you live from Delray Beach, Florida at the beautiful Sunshine Meadows Equestrian Village. Having a great day here at the farm. Everybody's gone back up north pretty much, and we just got a handful of horses here that we're showing in Florida this summer. And so we're kind of getting a, a little break from the hard winter that we had of, of showing and racing and, you know, all the things that we do here. One of the things I want to uh, talk to you about right off the bat is uh, we had a win in your inn at Santa Anita Park for the Breeders' Cup that's going to be uh, in Santa Anita on uh, November, the 1st of November. It was a $500,000 for three-year-olds and upward going a mile on the turf. Um, it's the Shoemaker Mile Stakes. It's a grade one. It's very, very uh, good race um, if you're trying to get some good black type for your horse especially uh, for a stallion, uh, it's really good. It's, it's really a good race. It, it's never a weak field in years. It's never been a weak field. Uh, this year we had 11 horses um, that would contest for the uh, Shoemaker Mile. And, I mean, we have some big guns in here. Um, we had Peter Irwin had Exalted. Um, and Exalted, is he's a good horse. Um, I mean, really good. Uh, we had Bob Baffert had a du jour in there, another good horse. And I'm not going to say any of these were great, but they're on their way to being great. And we'll know in November when they get to the Breeders' Cup uh, mile on, on the turf uh, there at Santa Anita. And I tell you, it was an exciting race. Exalted uh, reigned supreme in the Shoemaker Mile this year. Um, he, he was a good uh, good start, good ride all the way through. Um he, he was just a, a tremendous horse. Uh, he, he, he stepped forward. He was winning the end over the same course, November 4th, always shaped up for a, clo a closer with the long shot, speed ball, lap lighter jack. Um, he went out to the lead. Hong Kong Harry came running at the end, and it was exalted that prevailed. And so that's going to make for a good uh, uh, Breeders' Cup mile on the turf. And we'll see him run a couple more times over the summer before November. He'll be there. And everything, everybody came out healthy out of that race. And as, as you know, if you've been following the, the horse industry, we've had a lot of problems. Had a lot of problems since it started Derby Week. At Churchill Downs, we've had 12 horses that had uh, um, uh, fatal uh, races. Uh, they had to be uh, euthanized on the track. Um, took a bad step, uh, you know, fractured leg and ankle, ankle or what have you. And we've had that at several of the tracks over the last two months, and, it, and it's become an epidemic. And it's just not at Churchill. It's happened in quite a few of the tracks in the United States. So it leads us around to thinking, you know, like, how do, how do we correct this? You know, what, what do we do? How do we do it? The long story short is you've got to do a lot of homework and a lot of research. And that's what the HISA has done, and each state's uh, racing authority has done. They've gone in, they've examined the tracks, uh, they've done everything they could possibly do. And they, they've um, ultrasound uh, the horses, uh, trying to find out if, if they had a pre-race uh, pre fracture, or just, you know, what, what had happened. Why did that horse go down? 
Well, we're going to go back to the very beginning, and, and then we'll talk about what the racetracks are doing and, and things of that nature. But back in the very beginning, when the when horses are foaled, they're they're starting to grow. The first two years of their their life, they're growing, and you know, like a kid, one day they're you know um, wearing a size medium. You know, a month later they're wearing a size large. They're, they're, they grow at rapid races at a rapid rate. And so now we're going to talk about feeding. When you start feeding these young horses, you got to monitor their growth rate. Uh, you can weigh them. Uh, you can do all kinds of things. But when you notice that they're growing, you want to back off on their feet a little bit and let their bones catch up and their muscles catch up with the growth of each other so they're in sync. And a lot of times, uh, you know, when you start training the horse, everybody says, well, we shouldn't race two-year-olds. Well, that, that's, not, that's not the case. The case is, is that when you stress and you traumatize the bones uh, in a horse at a young age, it creates, it creates a, a growth pattern. It, it, it makes the bones stronger to heal. And a lot of times you'll hear a horse, you know, buck shins, and, and what happens is the horse is growing, and, you know, the stress and it gets a little bit to them, and, and so you, you have to come back and you got to treat the buck shins. But basically what it is is the horse is growing at, at sometimes a, a phenomenal rate of growth, sometimes a slower rate of growth. So you got to monitor all this. And when the horse starts training and exercising, he puts pressure on the bones in the body. And when they get that pressure, that causes damage. Not damage like you see on the racetrack, but it causes damage like, uh, like a bruise or, you know, uh, something, uh, you know, uh, along that line. And you've got to learn to, to treat those damages. Uh, a lot of times you just can't see them, uh, but, you know, they're there. And so what happens is it sends blood to those areas like the legs, uh, like the back, the heart, the, the lungs, uh, the muscles, the skeletal system as a whole. It send, and the body sends, you know, uh, blood cells to those areas to help repair it. So you have to monitor and you have to watch it. So in other words, when you're starting out to train a horse, you go slow for a long time, for a long, long time when, he, when he's a two-year-old and he starts training. You can't speed it up and you can't rush it because each horse is different. And, and you know, you've got to be sure that you monitor that. And you do that through training. You do that through feed. Uh, you do that through being turned out in pastures. Uh, there's a lot of ways that, that you can do this, that you can monitor these horses, and I would suggest that um, at a very at a, a very young age, I'd say, as as they're coming to, as they say, um, I would uh, ultrasound the horses and X-ray, and you know, see how big the heart is and the lungs are, and see the bone density in the horses, uh, you know, in order to, you know, to help a, a healthy horse uh, survive. And you can do that through your feed programs and vitamins and all kinds of things, but you got to be very careful about that. Uh, you know, you got to watch that closely. And I mean, it's an everyday thing that you have to do. You got to mo monitor these horses and you bring them along slow. Uh, you don't have to have them ready to race, you know, by the first of May. Um, some horses will be uh, a little further along than others because of their bloodlines and, and, you know, their, uh, their work habits and, and the people that are training. And that's the main thing that you got to do. 
you got to make sure that you keep a day-to-day control on these horses, what they're doing, where they're going, what kind of uh, weather conditions they're in makes a big difference. Um, you might get into some areas where you have a, a, a nice, uh, a nice uh, weather like we do here in Florida, and the horses go out in the morning and they're feeling good and, you know, soaking up the sunshine and, and really liking it. Or you could be up in Kentucky or New York where the weather might not be as, as nice and, you know, have good days and bad days. And you got to uh, make sure you monitor that because, you know, you get a horse in a barn and it's been cold for, you know, uh, uh, out, you know, for for the winter and you got the spring come along and they're going to feel good and there are going to be days that they're out there kicking and bucking and jumping like there's no tomorrow. And then the next day it's going to be cold and, and you know, uh, adverse conditions you know, for uh, getting a horse ready. So you got to, you got to do that, you know, and, and it's, it's a big, it's a big uh, time consuming thing. You just don't, um, you know, put them in a stall, turn them out, you know, feed them, let them get outside, you know, bring them back in. You don't do that. You got to monitor it every day. Every day is different. Every day is a, a chance to make that step forward towards the derby or for, uh, towards a good show or, towards the sales, that type of thing. Every day is different. So you can't go by the rule of thumb as saying, hey, this is the way, you know, we've always done it. This is the way we're going to do it. you got to monitor those situations. Into it. So once you get them, get them going and you get them ready to go, uh, it becomes more important to make sure that their body is handling the training, uh, that, it, that it, it's surviving the training. Teach them to recover that's the best thing you can do with this horse. And not many trainers do that anymore. That's old school. You teach a horse to recover from a race. You teach a horse to recover from training. You teach a horse to recover from shipping. Uh, there's all kinds of things, but you always got to think a key word, recover. How can I get them to recover from shipping? Um, do I come in and do I juggle them? Do I give them four or five days off after shipping? Uh, you know, there's just so many things that... Uh, that you can do to this horse to help it recover. And horses are creatures of habit. And once you start teaching them how to recover, then it's going to be a, a good situation for you, your owner, and, and all the people that are involved with it is teach these horses how to recover from the trauma that they suffer, or I shouldn't say suffer, the, the trauma that they, they endure in, in the training process of racing or showing. Uh, it, it happens a lot. Now, I'll give you a good example uh, to show you about horses. Most of uh, your show horses are usually older show horses, 7, 8, 9, 10, and up. Uh, they're, they're that. And you got to remember that with show horses, you're dealing with horses that have already gone through the rigors of training, being broke, and, and all the things that they do. And, and having said that, when they're older, their bones are, are uh, solid, uh, their muscles are, are solid. Um, you know, they know how to recover from training for showing or, or you know, what have you. And, and it, it makes it easier for the trainers to work with because then when you know something uh, is off, then you can get your veterinarian in to take a look at it and get your blacksmith in to take a look at it and have a consultation with them and see just how they can, uh, you know, get this thing uh, in, in order. And everything. So basically, what we just said is 
you got to take your time with the horses. You've got to monitor everything they're doing, their feed, their water, um, their uh, training, their conditioning, uh, and you got to go slow with it. You can't rush training. I don't care what breed you have. I don't care where you're doing, whether you're showing, you're racing, or going to the sales. You've got to monitor, you know, your program. And it's important that you keep these records on file every day. I know it's a tedious task that you have to do, but every day you've got to make sure that you have your log filled out. And, and, when you, and your log's going to be different than mine. Uh, when you come in, you want to make sure that you um, uh, have uh, their feed records, what they had for that day. You want to make sure that water intake, uh, if the horses are drinking or if they're not drinking, um, how much hay they're eating. Uh, you want to keep uh, a good record of their manure that they're passing. Uh, make sure, you know, that you're monitoring that. Is it is there a lot in the, in the stall today and, and not very much the next day? And then you got to figure out what's causing that imbalance. You know, if it's not consistently, you know, uh, the same, uh, you want to start make, taking notes of, you know, when that happened, uh, when it got smaller, when it got larger, uh, you know, that type of thing, so that you can monitor everything, you know, that you're doing so that you can correct these problems on there. Uh, you also uh, need to uh, make sure that you have uh, temperature and, and uh, weather conditions. Uh, that, that your horse is in and see if there's any big difference. Uh, you know, like we sent horses up to Kentucky last week and uh, they come from 80, 85 degree weather and they got into Kentucky and it was 45 and 50. So you got to make sure that, you know, note things like that. Um, the shoeing uh, aspect of everything, uh, you got to get cons consistent with your shoeing of your horses. Um, you know, that's very important that you're on a timely schedule. And you got to make sure that, uh, for example, let's say uh, uh, on yesterday, on Thursday, um, we had uh, our, our horses shod. And then on Saturday, we're uh, working the horses, uh, you know, for their works to getting ready for a race. So you're looking at Thursday, you shoe the horse. That traumatizes the horse because it's, it's uh, what, I, what I would call it is called good damage. You're, you're taking care of the foot, you're getting it healthy, and that's going to affect the way the horse works and the way the horse moves. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a good thing. But you've got, also got to remember that you've got to let the horse recover. You've got to let the horse recover from that shoeing. Now, I don't want people to think that it's brutal out there to shoe a horse, but it's something that's different. You've got, you got to let the horse adjust, let the body, you know, kind of, uh, you know, get back. Because uh, some horses will get sore after they're shot. You know, it'll take them a, two, a day or two to get, you know, get back into the swing of things. So, you know, that's that's what you got to look at there and make sure that he recovers properly. Check him every day. Uh, flex him. Uh, check the tendons. Check everything just to make sure that, you know, that the horse is good. Not saying that, you know, the blacksmith did it. I'm not going to say that. But it's just all part of the process. And the blacksmith will tell you the same. You know, how's it? How's he going? You know, after you see the blacksmith a day or two later, and, and the, the blacksmith will say, "Hey, Scotty, how, how's he? How, how are they going? How, how did they go?" You know, well, he walked a day or two, and and be back, and he's good. You know, so that that's important that, that you do that. But you got to note it on your records. You got to note it on your records and make sure 
because down the road somewhere, if something happens, you've got information to go back to see what's happening with your horses, you know, that type of thing. And so that's very important. Um, you got to make sure that you log and, and have everything in, uh, that is getting any seed logged in every seed time. Every seed time, you got to make sure that they know that because if something happens down the way, the horse colics or, you know, uh, you got problems with him eating, well, he's not a good doer, as they say, you got to look and see what was in his feed. you got to check the feed to make sure it's fresh and good to go. And that's why I always like uh, working with hallway feed. Hallway feed can deliver to you anywhere in the country at any time and internationally. And what I like about it is it's always fresh and it's always ready to go. And if you got a problem with your horse eating, you also got to do is call feed weight, um, uh, hallway feed, and they'll, they'll tell you the feed, uh, the way it got there to you. Um, you know, the, the trucks, uh, the whole process they get to get to. Uh, that, that's important. So you record that that you do. And then, uh, as from a veterinarian standpoint, um, you go in and you record everything that's done with that horse, veterinarian wise, uh, whether it's a, a vitamin, uh, whether it's um, um, uh, supplements is put into his feed. Uh, you have to record all of this and, and make sure that it's there. It's uh, it's the highs of way to do it, as they say. And, and you got you got to do that. And so uh, now that you got all these things together, you know, ready to go, um, you've got enough information that will lead up to and you backtrack when your horse gets sick. You start backtracking. You look at feed. You look at hay. You look at water. You look at vitamins, you, you look at everything. Uh, where was he training? How was he training? Who was training him? That type of thing. You know, um, it, it's very important that you do this. And so now, you know, you've got it up to where he's training good and everything. And then you start uh, talking about uh, working the horse. And this is the same for show horses or race horses or, you know, just any horse that's in training. And we're talking right now specifically uh, thoroughbreds. Uh, and, and the reason I'm saying that is is because that's my forte is thoroughbreds and everything. So I'm uh, trying to do that. But then you work the horse. And you go in and you write down the time and you say, okay, well, you know, he this was his time going six furlongs, you know, or four furlongs or whatever you're working. And, and, and you say, okay, well, that's a good time. And, and then you also log into... Uh, where did he work from? Did he work from the three-eighths pole to the wire? Did he work from the wire to the three-eighths pole? You know, where did he work on the track? You mark that down because, you you know, it's a specific work work to help you in a certain area of, of the horse's race. Can you make sure you write that down? And then the next day when you come into the barn, you go to the groom and you ask the groom, you know, how's he doing? Did he eat all his feed? Did he eat his hay? Did he drink? Was there manure in the stall? You, 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 it sounds crazy, but all this information is for a, uh, a point that I'm getting ready to make. So now you do that. So you go on three, six months or whatever your, your time schedule is to race, and you do the same thing day in and day out every day. Now, remember, a horse is a, is a, is a uh, animal of, co- uh, of, of consistency. It's an animal of habit that, you know, that you go out there. Um, they get into a habit, 
and that keeps your mental system going uh, to, you know, every day. They're used to it. Four o'clock, they're getting fed, and that's when they get fed, every day at four o'clock. And there's, a, there's an old theory, and it was called by Dr. Dr. Pavlov. It's called uh, Pavlov's Theory. And what it was is he was experimenting and working on animals. And he found out that whenever um, the dogs that he was feeding, he was, he was uh, working with dogs, the dogs that he was feeding, whenever they heard the uh, technicians uh, come in and they start mixing their food and getting their food ready, the dog would salivate. Didn't have to see the food, didn't have to smell it, but when he heard when he heard the technicians working, they would start to salivate. They'd bring the food in, and, uh, you know, then they would eat. But, again, it goes back to being a creature of habit like the horse. They were used to getting feed, fed at a certain time, and that's what happened. So in one of the experiments that he did, he went in and he had the technicians go in, and instead of feeding at 4 o'clock, they went in and they fed at, they were going to feed at 3.30. Well, when he went in and the dogs started hearing them making the noise in the feed room, the dogs started to salivate. So now, all of a sudden, you realize that it's not a time thing. Uh, it was a noise thing, you know. And then one day they had them not do anything at all, no noise at all. And at 4 o'clock, the dogs started to salivate because it was the time to eat. So the whole point of this is that your horses are creatures of habit. And with the horses being a creature of habit, you've got to keep the same routine day in and day out. Because if you don't, it mentally gets to them. And it gets them on a roller coaster as far as their stomach and their, and their nervousness and, you know, their whole routine. And if you don't stay on a consistent time basis with what you're doing with the horses, such as training in the morning, feeding in the morning, feeding in the afternoon, and feeding at night. You got to keep everything the same, and the more you the more you keep it the same, the better shot you got in getting a good horse to the show or to the races. So now, that's a lot that we've talked about right here, uh, you know. And I hope you get the, the whole uh, gist of this conversation, and and that is consistency. Become a creature of habit in your training and in your livelihood with the horses. Once that happens, that keeps everybody happy. Keeps the grooms happy, keeps the mom happy, keeps the dad happy, keeps the wife happy, keeps the trainer happy. That's what you got to do. You got to stay consistent and don't vary from that at all. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, in New York, Florida, Kentucky, traveling with the horses. You got to keep them in, in the same pattern, the same pattern with them. So staying consistent with everything you do, from from your management of your barn and record keeping to who's working with the horses, to what state they're in, to what the weather is, everything. You've got to log that in and keep it, keep everybody happy. So now we're going to move to a, a, a whole different thing. When you take a two-year-old to the track, there's a lot of things that get different real quick. They go from the farm environment to the race environment. And it's a whole different ballgame because... You go from usually a farm being, you know, 30 or 40 horses to a racetrack where there's 1,200 horses. And they're running all over the place, and they're all working and different, and, and some of them are getting crazy and wild. And, you know, it's, it's just a whole different element for it. 
So when you go into the track, you got to make sure that you allow your horse time to recover, like we talked about before, recovering from a, a, a trauma. And when I say trauma, I mean I mean you know like shipping a horse or you know getting ready to race a horse. So you got to teach them to to recover. And the first start of that process is recovering from the shipping to the track from the farm. You got to give them a few days to settle in, as they say, and, and let them see what all's going on. Let them get used to it. Uh, walk them the first couple of days that you get, you know, you get to the barn. Let them get to know their their barn neighbors. Let them get to know the the people around them, the horses, and and the routine that's going on. And, you know, you, you let them do that. And then after two or three days, if, if they're doing good and they're eating good and, you know, drinking good and, uh, you know, passing manure good, uh, you know, hey, then you, you take them to the next step. Then you start getting them ready for the track. And when you get them out to the track, you want to take them long, slow gallops because it's all new to them. It's all different. You're going to have horses working. You're going to have horses bucking and jumping all around you. And it's going to be like a circus. And they've got to get used to that. But again, you want them to do long, slow gallops because remember, when they're training and they're doing all these different things, the horse's body's being being traumatized. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean in, in, in a in a growing way. And you got to remember that when that body's tra- uh, traumatized, it's sending blood cells to those areas that are that are feeling the pressure. What um, you know, it could be. Uh, a sore knee that's getting it. Uh, it could be a sore foot. Uh, you know, it could be anything on the horse when he starts training, uh, you know, outside his normal, uh, uh training facility. Uh, you know, uh, could be, he could be a rocky, uh, hard surface. It could be a soft surface. Uh, if it's a soft surface and you're stretching the tendons and ligaments a little more, you know, you gotta watch for that. Yeah, you know, it's a very complicated process, you know, training these horses. Uh, and then you start building them up, uh, you know, to their first work. And you get them ready for that, and then you see how they do. You, you help them recover from that first work. And then you'll do two or three works, like at the same same pace, like three-eighths of a mile, um, especially with a young horse. You'll do three-eighths of a mile three times in a row. And every time you check them uh, the next day, make sure they're okay, they're not sore. And if they are, then you have to adjust your training schedule accordingly uh, to that. But um, let's say you're moving on and the horses are dealing with it. You know, then you go to a half mile, three quarters of a mile and a mile. And that, that really helps them. And you got to remember that it's a cardiovascular thing uh, that you're doing here with the horses. Uh, uh, there's just a lot of things that, you know, these horses are going through, you know, that, that's stressing their body. And everything. So you, you, like again, like I said, you got to teach them to recover after you do everything. Even though they went three eighths of a mile, you got to teach them to recover from going a half a mile, from three quarters of a mile. You know, you got you got to, uh, you know, train them for that. Um, and then once you get them uh, fit and healthy, and, and they're ready to go, and, and you getting close to their first race and everything. There, there's just a lot of things that, you know, you got to keep an eye out on. Uh, sore feet, sore knees, sore body, sore everything. You know, you just got to spend a lot of time with them, you know, doing that. And, and so now you got them up to their first race. Um, you know, hopefully 
uh, all the gate schooling that you did with them, which is good, uh, you know, and they're ready to roll. And that's another thing that I forgot to, uh, you know, say. Uh, once you start schooling them in that gate, it's a little bit of a process. It's something you just don't uh, go and walk them in and take them out, you know, shoot them out of the gate. You know, it's, it's a process, too, and they've got to recover from that, not only physically but mentally. You know, you gotta, you got to remember that the physical aspect of it, when they're standing in the gate, and that gate springs, and they're, they're all of a sudden they're going 100, 200 yards at, at top speed, you know, before they settle in, that traumatizes the body. So you got to teach them to recover from, you know, gate work too, you know. So that, that's, uh, that's really a, a tough job to do. The whole thing about the horse is recovery and keeping the information in proper order. And, you know, you're going to have a book that will be 500 pages long by the time you get done because you've got to start keeping the horses, you know, information in order and on schedule. That really helps that you do that. And then hopefully you get through your first race and you teach them to recover from the first race and leave a good, you know, imprint in their mind. And, and, and that's what you got to do. But remember, consistency, you know, and habit is good for the mind. It's good for the mind because, you know, they, they learn to what to do and how to do it. And I, I do believe that, like humans, um, the horse looks forward to doing something. Some horses might like to gain, and some might not not, not like it. Uh, some of them might like going a, a mile or so on the on the ground, on the dirt or the turf, uh, and, and not five furlongs. They all have their different likes, you know. And it's very difficult to uh, find out what their likes and dislikes are. Uh, a lot of times, if a horse doesn't like um, you know, people around him at feed time, he'll pin his ears back and bite at anybody that comes in there, even though they're trying to feed him. You know, uh, he gets those likes and dislikes in there, just like humans do. So now we've got the horses up to the races and everything. And like I said, it's a long, long procedure that you have to do with the horses from the get-go. It's just not something that you can get up and do. So now that we got them to the races, now comes the difficult part. You got to plan where you're going with them, what shows you're going to, what races you're going to, you know, and you adjust your training schedule accordingly. And you get them in a good habit, training them and pointing them towards your race. Again, hopefully there's success there, but you constantly got to monitor, you know, uh, what the horses are doing, uh, you know, here with it. Now, the, we've talked about shoeing horses. You got to get on a regular schedule with the blacksmith. And I find it, it's my, it's been my uh, experience with the blacksmiths to let them do their thing. Uh, I'm not a blacksmith, and I, I guarantee you there's a lot of uh, trainers and owners that aren't blacksmiths, but they think they are. And the best thing to do is turn it over to, uh, you know, to your blacksmith and show him the races that you're going to be running in where you're going to be at in the training schedule. So now the blacksmith comes in and he gives you the appropriate shoes and makes sure the horse's feet are at the right angle to get it where it needs to go. So now you've done that and you keep all this in records. You know, uh, you, you, what shoes they had, what days they were uh, uh, shot on, whether it was morning or afternoon. Uh, you know, you, you, you do all those things. And you keep, again, you keep a record of what you're doing and how you're doing it. 
So that, that's very important. So now we come to the veterinarian. And the veterinarian is probably the most important person that you're going to deal with from consistency. And what, what I mean by that is, is that vet's going to come in every day at a certain time. And you're going to go over with that vet what you're doing with each horses, each of the horses and what they need to do. You're going to make sure that you got, uh, got your uh, vet records up to date. And you got to make sure that when you're vaccinating the horses for vaccines, uh, when they got it, uh, you got to make sure that, um, uh, you know, it's everything's on, on time and on schedule. Um, and, and when you do that, you got to make a little note there, you know, that, um, uh, you know, Strike Rich got his vaccine on Thursday and it was this vaccine or that vaccine. You put it down and then you got to make sure as a trainer that you ask the vet, what are the side effects? What should I expect in this horse after he gets his vaccine? When can he run again after he gets his vaccine? What can he do? What if he comes up with the temperature the next day? You ask all the pertinent questions about what that vaccine is, is capable of doing to your horse as an after effect of, of the vaccine. You know, is there a fever? Is there a swelling, swelling at the point of, um, you know, the injection? Uh, there's a million questions you've got to ask and you've got to talk, off, talk over with your vet because the vet knows. The vet knows what he's doing. He knows when, where, and how. And don't try to change him unless you're a vet yourself. Don't try to change him. Let the man do his job, just like you do with the blacksmith. So then you go through all the medical records. You get on a regular schedule with the vet. You record everything, um, you know, when he got it, uh, what day he got it. Just don't put the day on there. Just put put the time down. Uh, he got his, his vaccine at 2 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, you know, and, and you know, Dr. Joe uh, gave him, you know, the, the shot. And then the next day when you come in, you make sure you go to your records and say, okay, uh, you know, so-and-so got his vaccine or his shot, um, you know, and this is the deal. And, and you know that uh, you can race the horse in three days or, you know, how long it will get out, how long it takes to get out of the system. So you got to put all these things down in there that you got to look forward to. And it's a long day. You got to have four or five clipboards just to keep up with what you should be doing. You know what, what uh, your your day with your horse is like, and also now that you've gone through that, you, you're on your medical program with a vet. You're on your um, vaccines and all your shots with a vet and everything. So you you know uh, what to expect down the road. So you got again all this in, in your charts that you're keeping, and it, and it really helps to with your training because if you look down at your calendar and say, okay, you know. Horses 1 through 20 are getting their vaccine today for West Nile disease. And you can put that in your training because what you want to do is you want to train up to, to that shot. And then when he gets that shot, you might have to back off his training for a few days because, you know, he, he had a little reaction to the medication, you know, or, or what have you. So you got to be, it's got to be careful with that. You know, you got to make sure that, you know, that you know 
every day when you look at your calendar on your desk, who's getting what and when they got it and, you know, when their next, next, you know, uh, shot series will be. So that, that's important that you have to do, you know, so you got to make sure that you're working with your vet uh, daily, you know, on those things. And, and then same thing, you know, with feed, uh, you know, when, when he starts racing and really starts training heavy, um, you know, we increase the feed a little bit, uh, you know, increase the hay a little bit, you know, it's all a visual thing. You know, you got to watch the horse and see how he does and how he eats and, you know, how he drinks up, you know, that, that type of thing. So now we got all those things together and you're ready to go racing. And when you're ready to go racing, buddy, you're all excited. The owner's excited. The groom's excited. The jockey's counting his money, you know, to, for winning a race. And, you know, the fans are patting you on the back saying, hey, good luck. You know, we'll see you Saturday in the winter circle. Well, you kind of go, time to get there. Time to get there. Saturday's the day. Okay. Now you go to your vet and say, okay, here's our pre-race medications. What do you suggest? And, it, and the, the veterinarian suggests that. You say, okay, when do we have to give the shots or the medications for the pre-race? And the vet will tell you 2 o'clock on, you know, uh, uh, Thursday afternoon if we're going to run 5.30 on Saturday. Okay, so now you do that. You hit the 2 o'clock mark, your horse is medicated. All you got to do is feed him, get him uh, around the track a couple of times, you know, and then Saturday you race. So you're all excited and you're all ready to go. Hopefully you come out and you've done everything right and your horse wins on Saturday. Everybody's screaming and hollering, where are we going to eat? You know, we want to race, you know, what are we going to do next? Oh, you know, all the good things. So after that happens and everything, you know, you go back to the barn and, and um, they uh, go to the spit box and, and uh, the spit box where it's a test barn and they pull blood and a urine sample and they, pack it off and send it off to be analyzed, you know, to see if there's any uh, illegal uh, drugs in, in, in your system, in, in the horse's system there. And so, you know, you come back 30, 60, 90 days later, and all of a sudden the stewards come in and say, hey, you tested positive for this or that. You know, and you say, hey, you know, I don't know how that could have happened. You know, so you ask your vet, you know, what happened. You know, was the, you know what was the deal? What happened? So the vet's going to tell you, this is what he got, this is how he got it, this is when he got it, you know, and this is how much he got and everything. So then, you know, you're talking to the stewards and you go back and say, well, maybe it could be cross-contamination, contamination. you know, which it could very well be. Um, you know, there could be a residual in the feed tub uh, from a horse that, that was there. Uh, because the grooms didn't clean out the feed tub or water bucket very good. It could have been cross-contamination from a horse being in that stall prior to your horse getting there. That It could be very well be that. Uh, there's a, a multitude of things that, that it could be, you know, so you got to kind of eliminate everything. Uh, you know what the vet did and when he did it. So, you know, you, you, know, you get your hand on that. And, and then you got to ask yourself, when, when I went in and shipped the horses into Churchill or wherever, was that stall clean? Was it disinfected? You got to make sure that you check that out. A lot of people just put a horse in a stall and they don't care. You know, you got to make sure that that, horse, that that stall was clean, disinfected, and bedded down properly. 
that's what you got to do. And you got to make sure that your grooms disinfect all your feed tubs and your water tubs every day. Every day. They got to do that. You got to make sure that they disinfect and clean their brushes. All their equipment that they use on the horse needs to be disinfected every day. That helps stop cross-contamination. You want to make sure that the people feeding are not medicating uh, one, one feed tub, have medication in one feed tub and vitamins in one feed tub, stir it with their hands, put it into the stall to eat, and then move to the next horse without cleaning their hands. You see, that's how you get cross-contamination sometimes. One horse has got medication for him and, and his feed tub, and then you go to the next one and the next one, and they all have different medications. And before you know it, you know, that, that dirty hand from cleaning the first tub or, you know, stirring the first tub up could literally be cross-contaminating products out of that tub into the next tub and the next tub and the next tub. And that's how you get cross-contamination. And it might not show up right at the first time, but it could build up in a horse's system down the road. So that's why you got to make sure that when you do everything, you're consistent with what you do. You got to do that. And, and so then, you know, you go back and say, well, you know, he tested positive for it. Well, we don't know what happened. You know, you, we can't put our finger on it. Was it the groom stirring, stirring the feed? Was it hay? Uh, was it from a dirty stall that you went into? You know, all kinds of things. All kinds of things that, that you got to think about, you know, when, when you're getting these horses ready to go. You know, so uh, the whole long and short of what we're saying, it takes a lot of consistency. It takes a lot of paperwork. It takes a tremendous amount of paperwork. You have to be very knowledgeable. Even though your veterinarian tells you, that it's okay to give it at 2 o'clock if you're running 5.30 on Saturday. Even though he tells you that, you've got to be aware of what you're giving him and how long it takes to get out of the horse's system. And you got to remember that the metabolic rate of each horse is different. So it will process that drug or that medication or, you know, that um, that feed a little different than and all your other horses do. So now, you, you know, now you're kind of, weeding out everything, you know, uh, to get down to it. And, and so those are many of the things that you have to do in the horse business to get your horse ready, you know, to go to the races and make sure, you know, that God forbid he would test positive, you know, for a medication. Do everything that you can do on your end to eliminate that. And, and so now uh, we're coming to the trainers that we've just talked about. Uh, over the past few few weeks, and I'm not going to name any trainers right now because they're still investigating, uh, you know, the, the charges that were brought against them. We have one trainer that's got four charges brought against him. We got another one that's got uh, three charges. We got another one that's got five charges, and then we've got some farms and and that are at issue with some some different uh, problems. You know, as far as medications are concerned. We had 12 horses that broke down at Churchill Downs. Uh, we've had four that died in, in stalls here recently. And so, you know, there's there's not a common thing, uh, you know, that these horses are breaking down. And especially on the racetrack, uh, the horses all broke down at different places on the racetrack. You know, so we have to, you know, take a look at that, you know, uh, that, that the track itself. And, for example, 
um, you know, in the Kentucky Derby, they're getting ready for, for um, you know, race day. And how did that track change? What did they do different to that track that, that you know, was going on all week long? What did they do different? You know, did they do something to that track uh, that, that made, you know, an um, unsafe track? So that, that's something that, like Heisen and the State Racing Commissions are going into now. They're starting to look at it. And so that hopefully that's going to eliminate some things and give us some more information on why these horses are going down like they're going down. Um, you know, were they ever ultrasound to see how thick the bone uh, density was? And, of course, we're not going to know how thick it was until after uh, the horse has been put down. They come back and they do a necropsy on the horse, and they find out exactly how, you know, how the bone density was, how much, how thick it was. So, you know, they're going to do that. And, and that's one of the things that um, I suggest that, uh, you know, that you do, that you make sure that uh, the horses are bone density is there. Uh, you know, you can do it um, every three or four months. You know, you can check on them. Uh, you can set up your own time schedule and what, what makes you feel good on what you're doing, uh, you know, as far as that's concerned. Uh, you know, and then when you're ultrasound, you might as well go ahead and ultrasound the heart, the lungs, you know, and the legs and, and get you a good, uh, make sure your horse is, you know, fit and ready to go. And so now, a lot of, you know, a lot of the vets have been complaining uh, in the blacksmiths and, you know, um, a lot of the different people involved in it said, oh, well, you know, that's going to cost more money and i got to hire somebody to take the notes and you got to do this and do that. Well, let me tell you, my friend, that's part of being in the horse business. You know, the vets are going to charge you more when they have to x-ray a horse after they inject it. The vets are going to, uh, you know, charge you more when, when they're, you know, doing the medications for your horses and they got to keep these records. And the whole long and short of, this, of the story is, is that you have to do the same thing. You got to do the same thing. Everything that I'm talking about right now, you got to do the same thing in your own in your own barn records and your race records. You got to do that. You know, not only does the vet and everybody else do it, does, but you have to do that. Like when you train a horse in the morning, you send him out to gallop a mile. When he comes back, you write down how long did he walk? Did he drink water? You know, you make sure that he's cooled out properly, that he's not shorted. You know, that's what you got to do every day. It's a tedious task that has to be done. And this is the only way that the horse business is going to help, uh, you know, uh, reduce uh, fatalities. Not saying you're going to stop it. You know, there, there's not a law, there's not a regulation, there's not a fee, there's not a medicine in this world that is going to stop that. That's, that's a, a, an act of God. It's nature. Those things are going to happen. You know, but we can try to stop it. We can try to reduce it, and, and we reduce it by doing all the things that we just talked about, gathering all the information from the get-go and keeping it on file. And that's why that um, I, I like ISA. I like what they're doing. I like their rules and regulations that they have uh, because they, they have do everything that affects the business from, you know, how many people are working for you, who they are, you know, uh, that it's, that's everything that they're doing right there. They're, they're keeping all those records that they have 
you know, and, and you're looking at, at the chain of uh, a chain of um, command, you know, where it starts from. Uh, you know, you're finding out who the groom is. Uh, you know, all the information you can about the groom, about the exercise rider, about the hot walkers. You, you know, all that information. So that helps eliminate a lot of problems. And it also gives you a bank of information that you can go to and ask them, you know, the exercise rider. Hey, you know, hey, Susie, uh, you know, how did, how did Bellatech go today? Did she go good? Was she off? You know, how was her breathing? And you put all that into this information into your, you know, to your, uh, what I call a passport. And, and so you, you have a, a, some way of knowing that there could be something wrong down the road, you know, with them. But when all is said and done, my friend, you can say what you want to the press. You can do what you want. You know, you can whine and cry. You can, you know, suck it up and be a man. But the whole long and short of it is when it comes down to it, it is care, custody, and control. And a person that has that is the trainer. The trainer has that. The buck stops with the trainer right then and there. It's up to that trainer to keep all these things in line and keep them ready to go. And he has to face his owner and tell his owner, you know, this is what happened. He's got the records and the information behind him to back him and everything that happened, you know, with that horse as far as medication, as far as, you know, um, training, traveling, everything. It's all right there. You know, you're literally, you know, putting your uh, trainer's license on the line if it's contamination, then you need to prove it. You know, if it's an uh, uh, overdose of medication or, or a time limit, if, if it was given too late, you know, and should have been given an hour, you know, at 2 o'clock instead of 3 o'clock, you know, you have, you have the information that points the finger to what happened. And when that finger is pointed, no matter who you story you have, it ends up being the trainer's responsibility, care, custody, and control. And so if I'm a trainer, I'm going to want to have all that information down. I'm going to have, want to have all that information down. And there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can have, um, you know, a person in the barn that's doing that or two people doing that. Uh, you can um, coordinate with the farm, the owner. You know, make sure you got a good line of communication, you know, uh, there with it. Um, uh, you know, you can do that, or you can go to a company called ShowSafe. ShowSafe has everything that I just talked about on an app. You can put that app up, and, man, let me tell you, it's going to tell you any and everything that you need to know. It's just like Heisa. You go to Heisa. They tell you all the rules and regulations for all the states. And what I like about that is, is they have all kinds of things on, on, uh, on HISA in there. It tells you the proper, uh, the proper procedure to transfer ownership of a horse to another. The proper procedure, how to syndicate a horse. Uh, you know, how you, where you have to ship the horse. How do you ship the horse? It gives you all these things, you know, that Heisa has. It's great. Heisa is the best thing that's ever happened to horse racing. There's people that are going to disagree with it, and the reason they're disagreeing with it is because it puts work on them or they're old school, you know. 
what I like about Heisen, you're going, you're going to Heisen, and then you know what's going on in every state around you that you're shipping to. You can find out shipping regulations. You can find out uh, any and everything that you need to know, you know, on what you're doing. As far as medications, as far as uh, rules and laws and regulations are concerned, you can find out from them. That's what we need in the business. And then you're going to find out that once you start doing that, you're going to get safer and safer racing and showing conditions. And I tell you what, it puts a lot of it puts a lot of stress and strain on these trainers. It puts a lot of strain on them because let me tell you something: you better make sure you got good people working for you. Because for years in the horse business, no matter what breed you're in, for years in the horse business, we've had a lot of people that weren't qualified to be doing the jobs that they're doing. That's the long and short of it. You get in there, you can know that I don't lie. That's what I always say. That's my model, that I don't lie. I can walk into a, uh, to a horse farm. I can walk into a show barn or, or you know, a race barn. And I can tell you this exactly uh, how that, that show is running there. The I don't lie to you. You can see if a horse is going out to the track or the show ring with shavings in its tail, you know you don't have a good groom. If he's dirty, you know you don't have a good groom. If you go out there and see a horse that's rearing up and bucking and kicking and your rider sawing its mouth, sawing its mouth with the, with the uh, bridle, you know that your rider's got some issues. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can go in and prevent. But the I don't lie, my friend. Not at all. And, that, and that's what we're trying to tell, tell everybody now. You've got to put all the information together before you can make a decision. You know, I guarantee you that you can't go in and say, okay, well, this horse broke down at Churchill Downs on Derby Day because, you know, why, why did he break down? Well, it was it the track. Was it medication? Was it the crowd? You know, what was the, what was the problem? You know, and you can eliminate a lot of these things by keeping all this information on hand. I'm telling you now, there's a lot of trainers that are going to go broke. They're going to go out of the business because they can't come back and say, hey, you know, this is, this is what happened with this horse. And like I said, the, the best thing in the horse business is when it comes down to it, it's the trainer. He's the guy that gets in trouble. Ask Bob Baffert. Ask Bob Baffert what happened. Ask Todd Blesher what happened. You're going to find out that, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody messed up. You know, and the trainers have to find out who that person was. Because when you find out who the person is, is and why that happened, you can change it. You can literally change it. And that's what we're trying to say in today's show. Be consistent. You know, you know, get up and do your paper, do your paperwork. You know, do your homework when the horse gets some medication, so that you know exactly what you know what it does. That's what you got to do. You know, and you got to ask the, you know, the, the vet, why is he getting this horse? You know, why is he getting this? Well, adrenaline, uh, uh, you know, adulterates the medication that it's getting. You know, when a horse starts getting really active and really nervous, you know, and the adrenaline starts flowing and it, and it reacts with the medication in a whole different way, that, you know, then you're saying, hey, you know, 
maybe we maybe we need to give the source, you know, uh, the medication uh, earlier, you know, or, or what have you. But you check with your veterinarian on that. Check check the pharmaceutical, you know, information on that. Because uh, a lot of horses get wound up on on you know race day, and that adrenaline starts pumping, and that affects you know the distribution of the medication that the horse got. You know, so you get you gotta you know worry about that. But all in all, the whole long and short of the story is it's the trainer. No matter whether you're a standard bred man, or a woman, or a show horse person, thoroughbred, AQHA, you know, you gotta know these things. And I guarantee you, my friend, 90% of these trainers out there in the old school say, oh, well, you know, I, I've done this. This is what I did. I, you know, this is what happened. Well, we know all the things that you did, and that's the way you've done it all your life. Let me tell you something. You're wrong because you got caught. <laughs> Can't blame nobody. You know, so do your homework before, you know, you get to training your horses. Get on a regular basis, you know, a regular schedule at your farm at your racetrack, owners, know as much as you can. Know as much as you can. Find out what they're doing and, you know, when it's happening. And that that's the whole long and short of it today. I think we can have a great world of show horses and race horses and, you know, AQHA horses. And I think we can give the public a good quality product. But right now, the first thing that we have to do is make sure that the safety of the horse is the first. First thing that we do, safety of the horses, safety of our staff, safety for our owners. we got to make sure everything is safe, and it starts with the trainer. The trainers, get out there, get on a stick, get you a big old book, and start writing down everything. You know, And then that way you can go back and say, hey, you know, this is what happened. You know. So glad you joined us today. Uh, hope you did. Hope all two of my listeners, if they're still out there, they're doing the same thing. And I know I'll go by and check their barn tomorrow to see how consistent they are and see where their paperwork's at. And then next week, I'm going to tell you about um, a horse that uh, we've gotten uh, into our grasp. It's a racehorse off of, uh, from Ireland, actually, uh, via South Florida. And it's going to become a show horse. And we're going to be documenting this horse every week with the owner and the trainer of the horse and see how it progresses along and uh, lead you right up to, uh, you know, his very first show that will be about eight months from now. Uh, Hopefully uh, in in the wintertime he'll start showing here at Wellington. So this is Scott Miller coming to you from Delray Beach, Florida, Sunshine Meadows, even though it's raining here. And I'm writing that down on my log that it's raining. Uh, See you next week at uh, 2 o'clock for the International Equine Report.